To Sustainable 78. 78. Crikey blinking Moses, how did we get to be so old, Governor? We are your friendly little environment podcast all about people and the planet and why, even though everything is full of toss, uh, we're still <laughs> going to try and have a laugh about it every now and then, ain't we all? And what have we got coming up this week then? Well, Dave, we are going to be talking about how a nasty, nasty oil company has been caught throwing money around in places they shouldn't be throwing money around. And we're going to talk to somebody very clever to tell us all about it. Uh, we are also going to be talking about how bits of the UK government have been uh, courting fossil fuel companies in foreign places. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about how friend of the babble, Chris Packham, has been in court. Hey, very good. Oh, I like that one. Good pun. Good yeah. pun, oh. Yeah. Nice. I, just, I just come to you, did it, that one? Yep. yep. No one help you out with that? Nope. Fine. All mine. Uh, just the usual disclaimer. We do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views and the views of our guests who we'll speak to in a bit. So if you have any problems with anything that you hear, uh, don't take it up with anyone that we work for. Take it up with us and we shall probably tell you to sod off. We will. And we we will be banged to rights in doing so. On with it. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. In off of the week. So, in off of the week, this is the section named after a senator in America called Jim Inhofe, who is a bottom because he <laughs> thinks climate change isn't real because there's still snow. So, we named a section of the show after him and we put other bottoms into it. And this week, there's a rather big bottom going into it, so big that we've had to get somebody on to talk about it. Who have we got on? Well, we are going to be talking to a chap called Barnaby Pace. Uh, from uh, He's an oil campaigner from a thing called Global Witness, which is an organisation that sort of shines a light on naughty companies doing naughty things. Yeah, And the light that he has uh, been shining is about Shell. You know Shell. Mm, I do know Shell. Bad, bad monkeys, Shell. Well, bad monkeys in this case, because what's happened is they've done this big old investigation, Global Witness, that has shown, and they put a report out about it called Shell New, that has shown that, like, in Nigeria, which is a country in Africa, um, Shell has been bidding, paying the government for the rights to drill lots of oil, but instead has quite happily known that the government wouldn't get that money at all, but horrible crims would. Oof. Well, we'd better talk to Barnaby and find out more about that. So this is our interview with Barnaby, uh, who, as Dave says, works for the wonderful, wonderful lot at Global Witness. Hello, Barnaby. Hi. Hello, hello. Uh, thank you very much for, for joining us on Sustainable and uh, coming to talk to us. Uh, we wanted to ask you, um, what on earth Shell have been doing? Because uh, you've done a report about it. What what have they been doing? 
Yeah, it's it's been big news. So this is uh, arguably one of the biggest scandals in the history of the oil industry. So last week, Global Witness put out a report uh, including leaked internal Shell emails, which showed that some of Shell's most senior decision makers, some of their most senior managers, were told that this billion-dollar oil deal they were doing for one of the possibly best oil blocks off the coast of West Africa uh, was not going to go to the Nigerian government, as they've claimed for about six years at this point. But in fact, this money was going to go to a convicted money launderer, this guy called Dan Atete, who's the former oil minister who'd given a company that he secretly owned this oil license while he was in office. And these executives were told in these emails that money and payments would flow onto some of the most senior Nigerian politicians of the day, including uh, that significant red news could flow to the then president. Good luck, Jonathan. So hang on. So, wow. so let, me, let me see if I got this right, because I really don't want Shell to come after me with the, with the getting things wrong stick, or indeed any stick. Um, so there was money that should have gone to the Nigerian government, but instead it went to someone else, a bloke, basically. And uh, th- th- is that what's happened? Yeah, essentially. So in in 2011, Shell and their uh, partner, which is the Italian oil company Eni, and and respectively, Shell is Britain's biggest company and uh, Eni is Italy's biggest company, they signed this deal for this oil block, which is called OPL245. It stands for Oil Prospecting License, number 245. Essentially, it's the rights to drill in this vast area off the coast of Nigeria, which the companies certainly believe is full of oil, potentially. And uh, for six years after this deal has been done, Shell has claimed to the public and their uh, shareholders that this was a deal where they were only paying the Nigerian government. Uh, It was a settlement arrangement. But what our investigation has shown and, and what these emails very clearly show is that actually they knew the money was not going to the Nigerian government, that it was all a ruse. They'd constructed this deal so that the money would in fact f- flow on to this company that was secretly owned by this former oil minister. And then um, these executives, some of the most senior people in the company, were being told that the money would be used in paying off politicians. Naughty. Naughty shell. Naughty. Very naughty. <laughs> why, um, why did people suspect in the first place? You say that for six years they've been saying, no, no, it all went to the, uh, to the Nigerian government. Um, why, why did people sort of not just take that at face value? Apart from the fact it's a massive oil company and, you know, their track record um, isn't brilliant. We got whole, We got wind of this deal long before the 2011 deal actually happened. There'd been public spats around this oil block for a long while, and we knew that this character, Dan Tete, was involved and so on. But actually, when we get to 2011, the deal is secret, as nearly all these oil deals have been for, for as long as they've been around. There, uh, there was no obligation at the time for the companies to say who they've paid, how much they paid. And so the news about this uh, leaked out. Uh, over the course of particularly court cases as two of the middlemen that Dan Atete, this former oil minister, had brought in to help him sell the block. They sued in New York and and in the UK and put all sorts of information into the public domain. And Global Witness um, has been asking questions about this deal from before 2011, but we we kind of kicked into gear and started investigating around it along with um, 
some other journalists and uh, partners we work with uh, in the UK, in Italy, and in Nigeria. And what we found is 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 uh, what we know now. But it's taken six years of Shell insisting that they only paid the Nigerian government and. and only as a result of the uh, uh, publication last week and the fact that they're now uh, facing trial in Italy and in Nigeria, uh, will ha- has the company come out and admitted that actually it did know all along that this money was going to go, at least in part, to Dan Atete. There's a lot more to come, especially given that the allegations that we're making on the basis of seeing these emails is not only that they knew they were paying Dan Atete, this convicted money launderer and the former minister, but that they thought the money would flow on in payments to politicians. But that seems a little bit like, and I need to be a bit careful what I say, uh, a slightly worse version of what oil companies do all the time, right? So kind of what is it that you're trying to prove, I suppose, by this? Is it basically you trying to show that the fossil fuel industry is just horrible and venal and crass? Or is there, what's the point you're really getting at here? Well, look, $1.1 billion was diverted away from the Nigerian government as as part of this deal. As you say, they they should have paid the Nigerian government, but in fact, the money was allowed to go into these private pockets who were only just now really understanding who that is. Um, But in reality, that money should be, uh, at the very least, helping the Nigerian people. And I mean, Nigeria's had an oil boom since the 1960s, and one in 10 children in Nigeria don't live to see their fifth birthday. And that $1.1 billion that was diverted into private pockets is more than last year's health budget. So obviously, the oil industry has many flaws, and we probably shouldn't be continuing in in the vein we're going in. But while the business is carrying on as it is the people who who own those natural resources, the people of Nigeria, should at very least be benefiting from it. And when companies like Shell and Eni engage in a scandalous deal like this that's resulted in such a massive theft from the Nigerian people, they ought to be held to account. So one thing that really struck me when I was reading this uh, report on, on, on your website is that they wrote this stuff down. Like, I got, there's emails going, yeah, all this money's going to, you know, well, I mean, they've, they use codes like <laughs> the Mr. initials Shady. of good luck, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan, rather than, you know, his name. Did that surprise you? Because I just assumed that these Machiavellian, highly connected, extraordinarily wealthy people would be a little bit more careful than that when they're shoveling billions of dollars into the wrong place. So, yeah, no, it, it, it's extraordinary that they... He wrote down this information in emails that could finally be leaked to the public and we can all see in black and white what they knew about this deal. Um, It's not just us saying this and it's not just the evidence of those emails that the legal cases that Shell and Eni and their executives are now facing that this is based on the Italian public prosecutor in Milan who's got form. He, he went after Silvio Berlusconi and another Italian prime minister. He's gone after any before for other corrupt deals. Um, uh, has said that out of this money that Shell and Eni paid the $1.1 billion that got uh, to Dan Atete's company, $520 million was turned into cash. And that was distributed among senior Nigerian politicians and according to the prosecutor, including the then president, good luck, Jonathan, uh, and then attorney general, Mohamed Adoki. And just to think of the scale of that, 
when the, and someone's gone to the lengths of turning it into cash, $520 million, if you had it in $100 bills, would be five tonnes of money. Do you know, my Stanley probably makes more money in a year than you do in ten. What do you think of that big spot? Gosh. Now, so, this is all very serious and very bad and pretty extraordinary bit of work that, that you and colleagues have done to, to bring it to light. Um, I really want to know what they bought with their $520 million. Um, like big, big diamonds, guns, <laughs> boats? I mean, it's it's an excellent question. It really is. Um, it's rare that we find out these kind of biz- uh, this kind of information about illicit money. In this case, we do have some snapshots of what they used the money for. We know that fifty-seven million dollars uh, got used to buy a Bombardier private jet. Um, uh, a bunch of money got used to buy three armored Cadillacs um, that were custom built for the purpose. Though uh, my understanding is that they didn't get it managed to export them so they they got stuck in uh in the u.s um and i've looked up the company that makes them they're very plush very very nice looking cars you know leather and screens everywhere and all the rest uh we know some money got spent um with a company that makes luxury shotguns um we understand that uh dan atete that this former oil minister is, is a big uh big game hunting enthusiast um so we we have these little glimpses and it doesn't tally up to what they spent the money on though so dan atete this former illness was asked in a british court case where the money went and he, he kind of evades the question he say investments and he, he's kind of pressed by the lawyer and he says it gets used in investments in properties and the middleman in Nigeria, who's accused of distributing this $520 million in cash, says that he used the money to go buy a load of property for Dan Atete. Uh, he says he went and bought a bunch of properties in Nigeria. And he says how many, and if, if you work it out, it, they'd be like the most expensive houses you've ever seen in Nigeria, more than uh, any houses seem to ever go for there. And he says he, they, he bought a shopping mall in Dubai with the money. I've not seen evidence that they actually did buy a shopping mall. I mean, we, we, I can't say either way, but it's kind of uh, crazy the the spending habits of uh, of these guys so if i was in nigeria and i heard about this deal and as you say shocking levels of um failure and lack of access to, to adequate health care and, and famine which is currently a huge problem and all the rest of it and and yet you know ministers were trying to drive around in armored cadillacs i would be i would be pretty cross about that are people, um, you know, either as, as a result of your report or beforehand, are they are they kicking off with their protests about this? How, or is it just a kind of people who just accept the fact that, that politicians are corrupt? No, I think there's a lot of outrage, um, uh, both in Nigeria and elsewhere. Um, that's part of the reason, I suppose, why these companies are now facing prosecution. If, if it wasn't for civil society and journalists probing and poking around in deals like this, often they wouldn't come to fruition. Um, and people really in Nigeria ought to be angry. This is such an enormous amount of money in the context of Nigeria, you know, more than last year's health budget. It's one and a half times what the UN says is needed to deal with the current famine crisis. Uh, and equally, British people should be angry about it. This is this is Britain's biggest company that was talking this way on their on their, in their internal emails and has done such a, a dirty deal. And the British people should be angry about this because millions of people have their pensions invested in Shell. And 
they should be asking questions of how their money is being used. Barnaby, thank you so much for coming on here and telling us all about what Naughty Shell have done. Uh, How can people find out more about you and the investigation and all of that stuff? Uh, The easiest way is to go to our website, which is... uh globalwitness.org slash shell new and you can see our report we've got a video on there that is great to share on Twitter or Facebook um, and lots of other information about how we found out about this case over time Uh, there's also brilliant reporting from a lot of other journalists uh, in the UK, internationally and in Nigeria about this case so there's lots to read if people are interested and if anyone wants to know more they can get directly in touch with me, all my details on the Global Witness website. Thanks Barnaby, speak to you soon, bye Thanks guys Sustainable of the week. So, Sustainable of the week. This is the section where we have a little look at the egregious eco guff that has been spoken by nasty people usually trying to sound green. Uh, Who's been guffing egregiously this time, Dave? Well, it's been a while, isn't it, since we've had any babble. We've had poor old Arabella Mm. on a zero-hours contract waiting for us to bung some work her way. Well, hello, Arabella. Anything anything for me this week, boss? (laughs) No, sorry, Arabella. No, nothing for you. No rusks for you. So uh, we should be hearing from Arabella in a second because Arabella is going to tell us what the people at UK Export Finance have been saying. UKEF! UKEF! Well, you kev if you want to. <laughs> UK export, that is, oh, that's spectacularly dull already. Make this exciting. I will. So, what they've been and done, right? You know how you and I... Who? Who? The Who's UKEF! Shut up and listen. I'm telling you. What they've oh, okay. done, right? You know how, like, you and me, yeah, well, me anyway, are taxpayers. Oh. Uh, I beg your pardon? What are you insinuating? Well, I'm insinuating that I pay my tax to Her Majesty the Queen and her government. Do you? Yes. Good. Prove it. Show me your... Disclose your tax records. Who are you? Kirsty Walk. Don't try and evade the question. Don't come over all shell. (laughs) Honestly, you'd think someone was coming in here, stealing the damn things and then selling them off. (laughs) Impossible, sir. Only you and I have access to your socks. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, There's a bit of the government uh, called UK Export Finance, and it sits inside a thing called the Department for International Trade, right? With me so far? Yeah, but bored. But bored, I know. What it does, this UK Export Finance, is it provides loans and guarantees to British companies, uh, like, I don't know, a company that sells kittens, kitten company, yeah? Um, and it's if you're a kitten-selling company from Britain and you want to go and sell kittens in, I don't know, Azerbaijan, right, and you want to, like, go and compete on their market, but you're a bit, you know, you're not sure about doing that, you've never gone to Azerbaijan before, it's a bit risky, you, you know, it's not really worth your while putting the contract together. The British government, the maybe taxpayer, they maybe they hate kittens, that's the thing, you don't know, they might squash kittens, right? Or other Azerbaijani companies might be much better at selling kittens than you are. So the British taxpayer, through this thing 
something called UK Export Finance basically gives it a loan, basically gives it a guarantee. Says, it's all right, we've got your back. You go and try and sell kittens in Azerbaijan. We'll give you some nice cheap finance. Or if it all goes wrong, we will step in. That's what and the, is basically and, and happening. The reason they do that is because they want these British companies to succeed, right? Yeah, right. So we, okay. we, yeah, well, that doesn't sound yeah. like an outrageous thing for the government to be doing, is it? No. Um, except what if we weren't talking about selling kittens to Azerbaijan, but we were instead talking about selling massive expertise in digging up oil and gas to countries all around the world? How would you feel about it then? Less good. I would prefer it to be kittens. Yes. I must, yeah. yeah. I would prefer. Well, do I want kittens sold? Yeah, kittens bring joy. Yeah, yeah. we should, we should sell kittens. Okay, I think I know where you're going with this. Carry carry on. So, since the year 2010, so this is an investigation that came out from the uh, wonderful people at Energy Desk, which is a bit of Greenpeace, and Private Eye. They've done some digging together, and they found, right, that since the year 2000, fossil fuel companies have had nearly 7 billion, billion quid <laughs> in loans and guarantees off of the UK taxpayer, off of me and you, uh, so that's just in like that 17 is, that years. That explains a lot about my bank balance. <laughs> because I don't, I think every month I'm like, I've been careful this month. I have, I have just, you know, I've been prudent. I've only bought the essentials and still it's, you know, zero by week three. But it's because I've sent seven billion pounds <laughs> to fossil fuel companies across the pond. Oh, fair enough. Now that makes sense. I'll well, just stop doing that. See, the government would say, well done, all. Oh, the government would say, oh, where, where's Arabella? Hello, Arabella. Hello, everyone. What do the government say about whether it's a good idea for, in a time of climate crisis, to be bunging £7 billion at fossil fuel companies to go and sell things overseas? What do, what do they say about that, Arabella? Well, we welcome and encourage applications from companies in the renewable sector. Our role is to respond to demand from exporting companies and we can only provide support where it is requested. Now, I put it to you, Dave, that that is not babble. Well, go on. It's sort of babble, isn't it? That we, you know, we we would love to see, we'd love to support renewable energy companies, uh, but there aren't any. Uh, The only ones that are asking us for help are oil companies, and so we're helping them. Yeah. Now, we can come on to whether or not they should be doing that full stop. Uh, That will be a short conversation. But but haven't they got a point that if what they're set up to do is to respond to British companies' demands, and the vast majority of companies that are making these demands are fossil fuel companies, then, well, what are they supposed to do? Just say no? Yes. Yes. Tell (laughs) tell them to bugger off. That's exactly what they're supposed to do. And I'll tell you for why, Ol. So shut up and listen, because I'm going to tell you now, right, for why, since you ask. This is for why, right? Because of bloody climate change, Ol. That's why. I know. I know. Obviously, I get that. And that's my point. I don't think you do get that. I think you think the government are doing a good thing. No, I don't think they're doing a good thing. But you're but you're saying it's outrageous that they're giving more to fossil fuel companies than renewable companies. Or does it make it more? Yeah, and they're saying we just give it to the people who ask for it. Yes. Now, on a very kind of structural, procedural way, that's fine, isn't it? You no. Know, if if they're set up to give it to people who ask for it, obviously, and that comes onto my second point: is there any sort of criteria? Is you know, do they have any? kind of red lines that they they don't cross and say you know if if 
uh, kitten massacring company R Us turned up at the door and said, hello, we'd like to try uh, massacring kittens in Azerbaijan. Uh, can you give us a loan for that? Would they say, actually, that violates section two, subclause C of our values? Uh, or, or do they just go, is it a completely kind of values blind thing? What's the deal? Well, okay, right. So, <laughs> don't sigh. Well, <laughs> sigh at me. That's a good question. Uh, it is a good question, but it's uh, right. Give me the thirty-second timer, roll. Yes. Hang on a minute. This should have been on since the beginning. We're talking about <laughs> export finance. Imagine, just imagine <laughs> if I had suggested this topic or something with a similarly wonkish title, you would have lost your. Well, you would have lost your shit. That's what you'd have lost. <laughs> and, and so, right, in 30 seconds, in 25 seconds, Why? explained, because this is export finance. We're supposed to be an entertaining podcast and we're talking about export finance. Give me strength. In 25 seconds, explain why this is interesting and, and everything about it and then shut up. It's interesting because, right, UK export finance doesn't have any rules at all written down on what it can't support. So it is all right if you're an arms company to go to the government and ask for cash and it will give it to you. If you're a kitten mincing company, it will go. you go to the government and ask them for cash, it will give it to you. They've said in principle no to coal, but not to any other fossil fuel things. But there's nothing in law what says you can't do whatever you want, despite the fact that the government claims to be doing wonderful stuff on climate change and we've got the UK Climate Change Act and all of this stuff is going on at home. So basically... Oh, <laughs> so basically what it is is it's totally hypocrisy still, it's hypocrisy you're still, you're still going oh, shut I gave up. you 25 seconds shut up and listen to the hypocrisy it's hypocrisy oh because yeah uh, this is I, hypocrisy uh, you, t- you made me explain stuff in 30 seconds and that was it and then I ask you to do it in a similarly short period of time and you carry on citing hypocrisy hmm all I want to say is th- can I say it all I want to say is, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm saying it. Okay. Right. All I want to say is this, right? It is balls. If you're a government, like this government is, now it says it is a leader on climate change and it's doing, it's got 80% target by 2050 by law to cut all its emissions. And it's doing all this stuff and it's putting this evidence out saying our emissions are going down, blah, blah, blah. Whilst at the same time, taking all these British companies from places like Aberdeen and things like that, what haven't got any oil and gas to drill over here anymore and like putting money in their back pocket to make it easier for them to go and drill other people's oil. So our economy still is massively dependent on oil and gas. It's just not are oil and gas anymore it's someone else's so it's hypocrisy of the highest order and yes yes they should be saying no to that and you know why because bloody climate change old bloody polar bears that's why <laughs> hello i'm chris packham and you're listening to sustain a babble reasons to be cheerful So, reasons to be cheerful. We haven't done one of these for a while. This is, rather obviously, the section where we look for good things that have happened so we can go, yeah, everything's fine, and put our fingers in our ears and stop listening to all the bad news. What's the reason to be cheerful this week, Dave? Why are you so pleased? Oh, oh, friend of the babble, Chris Packham is free! He was always free. Yeah, well, he's free now as a bird. And birds, <laughs> he was up in front of the beaks. Oh, and uh, uh, he, in Malta, which is in Europe, uh, he was put. He was. He was put in court, wasn't he? He was in court briefly, last week. Yeah. Briefly, why was he in court? Oh, 
Well, there was something very dodgy went on. He he is uh, very involved in efforts to try to stop illegal hunting that goes on of the big migrations that go through Malta, lots of protected bird species. And I think he does this most years, but he was there filming it and he had seen a place where uh, lots and lots of protected birds were in a cage and he tipped off the police and lo and behold when he came to look at it the next couple of days uh, they weren't there anymore what a fiasco that's what it is it's a fiasco Um, and he was just filming this at which point some blokes in a car came up and started shouting at him and, um, and they shoved him around a bit that's that. However, for some reason, he then got arrested for assault. Yeah, which he didn't do. Um, and court said, it's all right, you didn't do it. And then as soon as he got out, um, he uh, posted a video which sounds like this, which basically proves they didn't do it. In fact, what you're listening to here is the sound of friend of the babble, Chris Packham. Go back and listen to episode 24 for our interview with Chris Packham, uh, being shoved about by uh, the police basically, um, and they were the ones who said he shoved them about, but he didn't. So there we are! Hooray! There we are. I, I, I think the best thing about this is that the Daily Mail, which, you know, I don't massively like and usually doesn't like people who stand up for wildlife or birds or something, the Daily Mail's gone all kind of patriotic about Chris Packham and going, look, he's innocent. Oh, Chris, he's, he's, he's bloody innocent. Bloody foreigners um, <laughs> locking up our Packham. Bloody Europe. Oh, uh, yeah. Bloody it, Europe <laughs> locking up our... It's a hierarchy, old, basically, right? So they hate Europe more than anything, even yeah. more than the environment or animals, right? So as long as there's a European doing something that has something to do with our environment then that's that's bad. Basically, we can mess up our own environment all we like because that's green taxes and horrible communism. But as long as soon as one of ours goes over there, well, <laughs> crush the saboteurs. Oh, very nice, Dave. Very nice. We can be heroes just for one day. So that is just about it for another episode of Sustainable Babble number 78 in the can. Thank you very, very much, Dave, for all your UK energy finance excitement. No, I thought you did that very well. Shut your bloody... I can't tell... You won't learn, that's your problem. You're not interested in learning. You're not interested in an education. Go back and listen to episode 77, where Kate Rayworth talks about how important it is that people learn stuff, right? You learn stuff. Shut up and listen, right? Thank you anyway, Ol, for not shutting up and not listening. Um, thank you. Yeah, that was sincere. You're welcome. Thank you to Barnaby Pace uh, for telling us all about Horrible Shell. And thank you, as always, to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast. And and, and 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 thank you to my seven-year-old niece Arabella for reading out the egregious eco guff. Lovely to have you back, Arabella. Sorry for not giving you any work over the past few months. Um, if you want to drop us a line, say you like us, say you don't like us, um, ask Dave why he's banging on about UK export finance, you can do so by emailing hello at sustainababble.fish or you can have a look on Twitter where we're at the Babble Wagon or just search for Sustainable on Facebook. Yes, and uh, send us a little review type thing on your podcast medium of choice if you like what we put into your ear holes. Next time we're going to be in your ear holes is two weeks because uh, I'm going to be 
I'd love to say I'd be doing something important. I'm on holiday in Spain, so I'm not around. Rah. Yes. Uh, and How are you that's there? How are you uh, there? Pogo stick. Ah, interesting. <laughs> So I'm not around. So we should be back in two weeks for Sustainable 79. In the meantime, oh, thank you very much. Have a splendid fortnight off. What will you do without the babble? Think long and hard. Turn off my computer. Engage. Commune with nature. That's what I'll do. <laughs> now, you know there's that court order about you doing that, oh. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.